Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Madrigal at the Movies with Rob and Rob. I am one of your hosts, Peter Madrigal. Hey, guys, and I'm director Rob Federick, and I'm excited to be here. Hey, Rob Schulte here on the East Coast. Always excited to talk with you guys. But Rob, you brought a special guest today. Would you like to introduce our guest? Yes, I am uh, very, very honored to have a good friend of mine on board here with us today who has a large repertoire of movies that he's worked on as a cinematographer and as a director now as well. Uh, please welcome everyone, Mr. Gabriel Beristein. Woo! <laughs> How you doing, Gabby? Hello. How are you, Peter? How are you? Hi, everyone. Hi, Rob. Hi, Rob. <laughs> <laughs> well, Gabby, um, you know, our, our listeners are, uh, may, may, may have heard of some of the movies that you've worked on and stuff, but, you know, there, there's a long list of, uh, of credits to your name. Uh, you, you know, you, you are a fantastic cinematographer. I've had a, a, the, the great pleasure of working with you on a music video. And uh, I've, uh, you know, uh, seen a lot of your work. And lately you have uh, gotten into some, some pretty large projects and also directing as well. So would you like telling us uh, and our listeners a little bit about, uh, you know, how you got started and some of the some of the films that you've been working on or, 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 or projects that you're most proud of? Well, um, my, I'm basically basically my career. I'm, I'm Mexican. I was born in Mexico, but uh, I emigrated. I left Mexico many years ago and I went to Europe. I wanted, I had the dream to go and work in Europe with a phenomenal filmmaker, Sergio Leone. Oh, you must wow. Show him his films. Yes. But when I went to Italy and I met Sergio Leone, he said to me, Gabi, forget it. Cinecittà è morto. Centro Experimentale di Cinema è morto. Italy is, is done. That's it. Forget Clint Eastwood <laughs> parading around the Cinecittà studios. Forget all these American actors coming to Italy to do all these fantastic spaghetti westerns. This is all gone. Go, if you want to go to the film industry and do narrative films, go to America. But if you don't want to go to America, go to England. Nothing to do with, I wanted to come to America naturally, but in those days, me, my relation with America was not, now I'm an American citizen, I'm very proud of. Nice. I always say that I'm Mexican by birth, uh, British educated, and American improved. I love Woo. it. Oh, that's great. <laughs> love it. But in those days, my relation with America was not the closest one, so to speak. We didn't have a love affair. So I decided to go to England. So I stayed in England and I went to the film school in England. And, and, and two things happened. When I finished film school, my life could have been the life of many students that finish film school. They just don't go anywhere. Mm -hmm. And it's right. very frustrating and very difficult. But two things happened in Britain that helped me a lot. The first thing is that the music videos came to the streets. Right. So they started going out. And I remember that my first one, Mariana Faithful, Broken English and Working Class Hero, which you know, sounds like a story of my life. <laughs> I love it. Was, uh, was exactly what I started. So people started and the big filmmakers in England, the big directors started directing music videos in the streets that's amazing and out of the studios so that was a tremendous demand for cinematographers who were very willing to do guerrilla type style filmmaking wow wow oh, that's wow. so cool and then so, so you guys kind of started you started the whole independent uh guerrilla style filmmaking back back uh with the rock with the music videos with the rock videos wow. i mean it's we remember the budget still were small. Yeah. And uh, I came to do gigantic rock videos and music videos in America when I did all the, the Aerosmith trilogy. Right. Oh, yeah. yeah. The Ryan Crazy and Amazing. Mm -hmm. But but uh, that was amazing, by the way. But 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 in England, there was uh, they were experimenting with all that. So gotcha. uh, they, they needed cinematographers who were fresh and they, they, they didn't have that studio mentality. Right. So all of us film students came and said, okay, we do it. We do it, yeah. whatever. You know, come on my shoulders. I go there and then we do it. And, and we don't care and we shoot. At the same time, an independent channel opened in England, a television channel, Channel 4. And they, they opened a film division. Right. And they started doing virtually what we call film of the week. Right. So right. 
But that started out gain another big demand for cinematographers, for technicians, for sound editors, for sound recordings, for, for people that came out of film school and now they have outlets, they have possibilities. Yes. So for me, that was very lucky period to do it. So uh, in that level, that uh, very quickly I started well, after the rock videos or music videos, very quickly I did my first Channel 4 film, Christmas Present. And that now it's being censored, by the way. And right. my second one, and then suddenly Derek Jarman, one of the greatest artists, no filmmakers, artists yes. of the British, the British pop culture, came to me and said, Gabby, you've been experimenting in your rock videos, in your music videos with video taken to film. You've been experimenting. You are not scared of of of, of, of combining dig- uh, that was not digital on those days, but combining videotape with film. With with so I want to do a film about the life of Caravaggio. It's an impression about Caravaggio, and I love the idea. Say, man invented film lighting. I mean, my God, he's my hero. He's been my hero all my life. Wow. He invented film lighting. The mat- the Baroque. I mean, in sixteen hundreds. He already created that style that many, many brilliant cinematographers in the world and nowadays will try to imitate and try to use as an inspiration. Gabby, yeah, wow. what, what was the first like um, big budget? Because you've, you've worked on a lot of these blockbuster movies. You know, a few of them I'm big fans of. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're, we're definitely going to talk about one. Specific oh, yeah. We're going to talk about one specific today. one. I cannot wait to get to that, too. But um, but what was the first like big budget Hollywood movie blockbuster that you did? Uh, cinematographer. Well, I believe that funny enough, one of the biggest one, when I came to America, that was in 1991 to do a very iconic. Now it's a very iconic cult film in America called Blood In, Blood Out. Mm-hmm. You might not think of Blood In, Blood Out as a, as a big budget film, but yeah. for me it was, and it was big. Right. I mean, it was, of course. It, it was a studio. It was a studio film, yes. and uh, we had phenomenal actors there. Del Roy Rindo. I mean, we have many uh, fantastic actors, um, and uh, and it was basically my first big Hollywood film. After that, I continued doing a lot of uh, uh, studio films. In fact, in fact, I just continued doing my most of my film had been studio films. Obviously, they are the gigantic blockbusters like the one that I just mm-hmm. finished. Black Widow, right. to, to a bit more independent ones than the one that I did for David Mamet um, called uh, Spanish Prisoner. Uh-huh. But right. Oh, right. Still, even though it was, they were, I mean, they were that type of films. I mean, I've been, so once I moved to America, I moved into the studio system, the studio language, the studio, uh, the American way to make films, yes. which wow. I honor and celebrate naturally. And uh, in England, I started because I was always with the independent, with intelligentsia, with intellectuals. I was always doing the, the sort of the low budget films and television video. But, but, but gradually I started moving into something a bit bigger in England. Then I did K2. Right. That was a big yes. film, a British film, but they have American actors. So that was the aspiration of British films to do American type films. But it was not real until I completely moved to America to do Blood In, Blood Out. Right. Yes. And when I started doing proper studio films. Did you find that um, working on TV in England and some of the films of the week um, really set you up for success when you moved to America to take on the studio system? Maybe not take on, but um, with with everything you had had from your previous experience, did you feel like you had a, a leg up from others in the industry? Yeah, I believe, I think what, what the British have taught me, they, they, they gave me a tremendous technical proficiency. Excellent. <clears throat> because I, I did test for uh, as an operator and I was operating my own film. So I could be a good operator. I mean, Roger Dickens, who is one of the greatest cinematographers of all right, times, right, right. he, you know, until, until a few films ago, Roger insisted in operating his own films. So we came from that tradition of camera operators. So we knew how to operate. We knew how to communicate with operators. We knew how to tell operators how to do things the way that we wanted them to be done. Um, 
So at the same time, that technical proficiency and confidence that we had knowing the way that we need the, the negative behave and, and having to work incredibly fast. So we have a speed, we have technical knowledge, and we have an artist, an artist eye. We have because, because even though we were working on television, we always had this kind of pretentious British way to do things that they are never, yeah. That was in language. They were they really, <laughs> they have to be inspired on something important, you know. <laughs> I mean, <it's, laughs> British filmmaking is like the British film language, you know, it's very, mm -hmm. very important so, and sounds good. So, Gabby, I'm going to I'm going to fast forward a little bit because obviously you have a, a long, long career and, and, and you've been working. You've, you've had the privilege of working on so many films. We, we have mentioned you, I, I think, a couple of times in this podcast because some of the films you've worked on have come up. And, and of course, I, you know, I like to, to vouch for you because uh, I'm a great admirer of your work. But one of the movies that seems to come up uh, in the discussion is is Blade Two, which you worked with your uh, fellow countryman Guillermo del Toro and uh, David Goyer wrote the film, I believe. David Goyer well. did, yeah. Uh, yeah. And uh, well, Peter, you want to explain the significance of Blade Two? Wait, what do you mean the significance? I just love that movie. <laughs> See, so so you know, there's all these Marvel movies that came out, and I like I love the original Iron Man with Robert Downey Jr. Of course, Captain America Thor. Some second. Yeah, yeah, and then of course you did some of the cinematography on the original uh, Avengers movie, Guardians of the. I can go down the list, <laughs> but my favorite. Probably my favorite superhero movie, other than Superman 2, is, of course, <laughs> Blade 2. All right. I love Blade 2. Like, it, it, it's just the, the fast pacedness of it. And it's kind of like incorporating a little bit of horror. But at the same time, you have this, this badass who's just kind of like kicks ass through the whole thing. And I was wanting to know, what was it like working on that, on that film? Because I, I've heard stories about you know, Wesley Snipes on the third movie, but I don't know how it was like with the second movie. <laughs> no, it's true. No, no, yeah. no. I, I've, I've heard some of those stories. But Wesley from Snipes Gabby is himself. my blade. I love those movies, there you, you know? Uh, well, look, I mean, basically what happened is Guillermo, Guillermo is, an, is an artist. Guillermo yes. is a full art. Guillermo designed his films incredibly well. He's, the reason why I end up, I mean, look, I'm very, very Mexican. I'm very Mexican. I, I, my mother still lives in Mexico. I'm very close, but I'm not one of the talented Mexicans. I'm not one of these generation of phenomenal Mexicans that came Chivo, Cuaron, uh, Rodrigo Prieto, Ibnaruti, Guillermo del Toro. Right. They are, right. they were, they, they were done. They, they made it, their careers in Mexico. They were Mexicans. They work over there. I never worked in Mexico. I mean, I'm, I'm a British cinematographer who happens to be Mexican and a Mexican who, whatever, now I am, whatever. But right, right. It's very confusing. Right, right. right. But, but yet, in those days, I had a, I had, I had a name. Guillermo's, Guillermo, all of them came with the teams. Chivo came with Cuaron. Right. Guillermo came with Guillermo Navarro, that the people will go to an Academy mm -hmm. Award. Right. And Iñárritu came with Rodrigo Prieto. So they, they yes. came, they were brothers. They came, right. they were very, very close. But I believe that they, the studio didn't let uh, Guillermo Navarro to shoot Blade 2. So then I think because I was the, the most successful kind of Mexican in a way, strange, there, they picked me up to do it. Or Guillermo must have said, okay, if I cannot have Guillermo, uh, Guillermo Navarro, I'm going to have Gabriel Beristain. Yeah, I believe that that's the reason why I got there because suddenly was very, very surprised that I suddenly the film. I was never expected that the film was going to be offered to me. Ah. Yet, because because the relation between Guillermo El Gordo, as I call yeah, him, right. great love, and Guillermo Navarro, you know, they they're brothers. They, yeah. they 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 should work together. Anyway, for whatever reason, and perhaps Guillermo Navarro couldn't do it. God knows. I never know the truth and why I end up doing the film. Interesting. <laughs> but, I was, Interesting. but I was very glad. I was very glad that I did it because it was the beginning of many, 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 many things. First of all. Guillermo, Guillermo needed to have somebody like me with him because he needed to have people who had already got the studio experience. He had already done only one film, Mimic, in Canada. Yeah, right. So came here, he was he confronted the Hollywood, the real Hollywood, and everything that was so specific, so beautifully designed and done, 
and he had, and everything was so beautiful. And we talked many, had beautiful conversations about color, composition. I mean, like a, like a comic book. And, and now you, you that see I, it. You see it in that film. It's like the colors are just like, you know, you got the oranges, the blacks. And, so know, vibrant. Like different. Yes, so exactly. Filters, uh, the different ways that we do the moon, the colors, mm-hmm. everything. I mean, we were enjoying every bit of the project, the, the process, because even the decision of Agile, I said, well, could, we're going to use that part is going to be warm. Okay, what warm is going to be? It's going to be yellow? It's going to be it's red? Like an orange or a blue? Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, so we, okay, let's try the chocolate filter. Oh, no, let's try now the sepia. No, let's try that. So every decision was really, really thought and really, really discussed and analyzed and carefully considered. That's that was really, the beautiful thing. That's it was like an open. For me, it was an operatic experience. <laughs> it shows. It really shows yeah. that Blade Two specifically is a film that um, I hate to say it because I love watching it, but you could watch it with the sound off and know exactly what's going on in the exactly. best possible way. Um, I exactly. rewatched it again this morning and was just awestruck with things that I hadn't picked up on because it's been a couple of years, but just the way that story is told visually. Is just breathtaking. I loved it. Yes. It's oh, wonderful. I mean, Guillermo did uh, the most phenomenal job. And I think, you know, everything, the effects, you know, innovation, yep. uh, that, that the people that work with Guillermo, I mean, my, my, my greatest, uh, one of the greatest artists, uh, um, the company, Innovation, and uh, uh, Michael Isalde, Elizondo, uh, Michael Isalde, Michael Isalde, sorry, Michael Isalde is one of the greatest makeup, uh, fantastic, fan, um, Visual effects, special effects, uh, makeup artists. Right. Uh, he cre- he makes all these fantastic creatures as he did with with Hellboy. I mean, and there's the team that has worked with Guillermo since yeah. Guillermo to America. It's right. phenomenal. Was it hard to like? Uh, was there anything composition wise that was hard to shoot? Let's say on that movie. On well, play two. Was it hard I to get like well, certain? Yeah. Sorry. No, 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 go for it. Well, yeah. wait, guys, before we get into that point, I think uh, it's time, gents, that we take a quick uh, little break and we'll be Sounds right good. back with uh, Gabriel's uh, notes on that. Good call. We're back. It's Magical at the Movies, and we're talking to Gabby Barristain here. We thank you so much. Now, Peter, you had a, and, and a very I'm, important question. I'm having question. a little bit of a fanboy moment, I will, <laughs> I will admit. You know, I, I'll admit it. <laughs> I had one last night, too. You know, I'm, like, taking pictures at Sir, and, like, everyone's all like, oh, Peter, I'm, I'm starstruck. I'm like, okay, cool. And then guess who walks in? Dolph Lundgren, you know? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> and I'm all like, oh, I was working sure. out to your soundtrack from uh, Rocky IV, man. <laughs> and then you go directly from that to this recording. So now Peter, like, is your like, head going <laughs> to explode? I don't know what's going on here. Yeah, I know. I don't know either, but so, living my best life. <laughs> oh, amazing. Well, Peter, you had asked uh, Gabby about if there were any technical, diff- like not difficulties, challenges visually on Blade 2. And yeah, I, because I, there's I, a lot of dark moments, especially when they're in the sewers trying to like find the Reapers. Yeah, no, and I wanted to weigh in a little bit on that question too, Gabby, because uh, Blade 2, you know, was in an era where like effects and like there was some groundbreaking work back then. Like we didn't have the visual effects that we have like mm-hmm. in Marvel movies today. And you were talking about the creatures and the makeup and the special effects makeup. And I think that one of the things that I love about Blade 2 is that there's a lot of practical effects mixed with CG effects Mm -hmm. that work seamlessly beautifully together. And I want to know how you guys shot those. Yeah, I mean, exactly. There were a lot of groundbreaking things because that was one of the very first films that used 3D. And uh, some of the the elements of 3D, the combination of live action. I mean, we have, for instance, Blade jumping from a balcony right turning and gra- and okay. then grabbing the mo- motorbike i mean right. that was a, com- a, a triple combination of stand work real work a third unit and then 3d wow mm-hmm. and 3d i think they, they, they was one of the very first films that actually have to capture the character and try to have, have the character in the computer so they can they can animate it so that was very interesting i mean the visual effects coordination and i we're always talking about everything, but it was so, so the beginning of everything. Think about it. The camera that they was used to record what they call photogrammetry, which is to record all the set 
right. and have all the information. There were no the green, the, the perron ball and the gray right. ball, and mm -hmm. and now they don't even use that. Now right. they use 360 degrees capture. Right. I mean, but on those days, they were we were using my D1 Nikon camera. Wow. <laughs> was oh the God. very first, the very first digital camera that came up. So then we were, I mean, that was very interesting how visual effects and us started and Guillermo started taking tremendous risks there and not knowing whether we were going to do that combination of live action with 3D was going to really work. And it really worked. I mean, there were scenes like there is a scene that there's a fight between the, the, the female vampire and Blade. Mm -hmm. Right in front of the, uh, the the big wall of light. Yeah, right. those those big yeah spotlights. Yeah, it was beautiful. It was fantastic. Yet the the character didn't, and, and they still not look perfect. The characters started and they were three D in those right. moments. They were, right. and then they came down and they were real. And those moments of three D that was not correct. So the to the point that Guillermo asked me to go to Tipo. In, 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 in Berkeley, California, to go and work with them, to try to deconstruct the full effect and wow. going down and going down and really opening the layers. I used to say, you know, this expensive Photoshop, uh, uh, Photoshop that I need to start really opening layers yeah. and the layers and right, the layers. Right, right, right. Right now, where the problem was, where that thinning of the character and that's why they look like it's much fixed and it's not necessarily, they don't have the volume. Yeah, so right. people, people was very good. The, the technicians, the, the compositors there were very good at, 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 at really trying to educate me and educate themselves to find out where we lost the volume on that 3D figure. Wow. And, and that was very interesting, that process. We were learning now. Forget it if now I'm yeah, going to tell you. It's like and magic. Okay, I'm going to go to the shop and I'm going <laughs> to... <discuss. laughs> Let's go to the movie <laughs> store and get... <laughs> right, which, which, which in contrast later, I mean, and, and, and I think we, we want to get into a little bit about favorite scenes of uh, Blade, but in contrast, I want to talk, if you can, a little bit about your experiences with uh, recently with Black Widow and also um, Agent Carter that you, you were part of as well, so... Yeah, yeah. yeah. But you know, but but in Blade, that was the interesting, the fabulous, fabulous that we were really learning. And then even digital intermediate. I mean, that was I did a partial DI. Wow. I mean, and it was very interesting. And yeah. I did that. Okay. I mean, Roger Dickinson those days was doing Oh Brother Where Are Thou, and they right. yeah, yeah, yeah. I did a digital intermediate. That's never gonna work. Right, right. <laughs> but it's standard of the industry, right? And I remember that I had to go to England. And I had to do our partial digital intermediate, but I was fascinated by the fact. So I, there were visual effects companies that they were already doing this transfer, this use of the LUTs, LUTs that they used to create to transfer, for instance, a digital effect. Like, for instance, in the fam Adam's family that you see the hand, the hand was completely created in the computer. So now they created in the computer. Now, how can we transfer that into film? Mm. Right. So they, all visual effects companies, they have this already technology more or less work out, but for a small shop. So with Blade 2, they started taking risks with me. And I went to England and I sat with them and I we, we started be look, looking at those lots that wow. eventually they were perfected here in America with with, with, with the people from Eastman Kodak, Mitch. Bogdanovich, who was who is now one of, who was one of the very very strong uh, scientists at Eastman Kodak that created the lots and those perfect lots that allowed you to translate digital to film is what has allowed now the digital intermediate to be the standard of the industry and even Roger Dickens likes it. That's and guys, incredible. For, for for our listeners who who aren't tech savvy or film, you know, uh, understanding uh, digital intermediate is the process of scanning film and putting it into the computer to be able to either color it, treat it, process it. And LUTs are kind of an algorithm of coding that allows for a color specific look to be put into a software. So uh, in 2002, this was really like yeah, relatively new technology, right, Gabby? Well, I mean, like, and that this was yeah. That leads me to a, a real quick question for you, Gabby. Uh, 
when you're working on Black Widow, did you ever just have a moment where you like sat down something and you go, wow, during Blade 2, I had my own DI camera here and now it's well, evolved to what it is. I, you you oh, shot celluloid on on uh, on Blade 2, correct? It was filmed. That went celluloid. Oh, there, <laughs> there it is right digital. there. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Which, you know, I mean, I, I embrace technology. I mean, from day one, I embrace the digital technology. In the same way that yes. many years ago, I embraced with Derek Jarman uh, tape to film. Yeah. In the way, I embrace digital technology. And yes, and I love, I mean, yeah, you, you, you give me the opportunity to decide if I want to shoot a film in celluloid or digital. I say, let's do celluloid. Right. No question. Right. Yeah. But, but I'm not, I'm not, upset about digital technology on the contrary and i think that attitude has created the the fantastic alexa alexa cameras oh yeah, that oh, yeah. and 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 even now sony said oh, okay i get it now i get it and then they came with a phenomenal camera that is the venice i gotta venice. i gotta say gabby this is one of the moments in my career that i really remember that that spoke to me that was really cool was uh, we we did a music video together for a Latin artist named Ricardo Arjona, and we shot that on the Universal backline. We shot on a, on an Alexa camera, and I remember that you know I had shot a couple music videos on the Alexa, and I was a big fan. But you brought to the table a beautiful set of lenses from the '70s that was used on the movie The Godfather, and what those lenses did with that camera was be- we had this amazing lighting that you had provided. And also when we hit magic hour on that, like the coloring and the way that the light registered through that glass into the camera was phenomenal. And it just went to show how you o- grabbed, you know, older technologies, older lenses and put them with a digital camera. And it brought out a whole new look that I hadn't seen that camera perform before. And and that speaks to your talent as a cinematographer. Wow. So- oh, thank you. Thank you. Well, that was very enjoyable. Thank you. And I, wrote, I enjoyed that. Arjona is a phenomenal artist, and you are a great, great director, and, and he was a great person. Yeah, Absolutely. it was real fun. Yeah, and those lenses, the super bolter, they yes, are. Yes. They were created by Boucher Lom, and yes, they were used in The Godfather, mm-hmm. um, and that, that, they are phenomenal. They are, they had a beautiful player, they are yes. fantastic. And now they are, they have housed them in a, in a very practical way. Now they rent them, they are available, they have rescued every Super Walter film in the, that was lost in warehouses and, and in places. Now they have cleaned them, prepared them, housed them, and nearly all the companies have got a set of Super Walters or more to, to, to rent out. That's amazing. That's amazing. So on those days, on those days they were they were completely like a mongrel. You know, each lens behaved differently. We didn't have the same rings, the assistants we hated for that, but but that was Wow! <laughs> Love it. Oh man, I need um, to look at that music video that you that uh, that he shot that you. Directed. Oh yeah, yeah, no, we'll, we'll I need to check that out yeah, because, yeah, like, yeah. I want to see it's, that it's effect. It's absolutely beautiful. damn. Um, yeah. All right, so guys, uh, I mean, I kind of, I, I know we've been talking Blade Two and stuff like that, but I kind of want to get a little bit of uh, ahead of the curve here and and talk a little bit about Black Widow, if you guys don't mind, you know. Well, like, I also I do have a couple of I want to know before we even get to Black Widow, I <laughs> yeah. want to know from Gabby. What your favorite scene? It doesn't even it doesn't even have to be Blade Two. What is the fa- your the your most favorite scene that you've ever shot that stands out to you in your mind? Took the words like out of my mouth, that, Peter. That, uh, there you go. <laughs> it's it's so because so you, you have a, you have a library. You know what I mean in your head. Like it's and like tomorrow moments, it might you know? be different. Tomorrow it could be different. Yeah. but today it could the one that comes it could to be you. Black Widow. Yeah. <laughs> No, no, I, look, I think, I think there, there are memorable moments in play too. I memorable moments because I think what happened is when you are taught as a cinematographer, as an artist, what she, I mean, as an anecdote, and I think this is important that I tell you that. What is important about Black, uh, Blade 2 is that Guillermo, with all his fantastic structure, he has to face something that was imponderable, something that it was unpredictable. And that was, Wesley Snipes behavior. <laughs> Wesley Snipes. Now, I'm not talking about a bad behavior as such. I'm talking about a man that approaches art in a different way. Gotcha. He's a method actor, right, Gabby? He stays yeah, in character. Yeah, he's a method actor for his start. But at the same time, he's a dancer. 
He's a fighter. Right. He uses uh, he uses a a <clears throat> um, Eastern uh, uh, martial art. I silat. I think. I think yeah, yeah, silat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he is he's he, he's an artist on his own right. Yeah. But he's not the type of artist that Guillermo is. I mean, and I think you just basically by putting the two bodies together, you you realize you know they are completely different. I think I think the physical the physical. A presence of the two characters represents also the mental presence of the two characters. Gotcha. <laughs> right. but, both, but both are beautiful in their own right. Yes. You right. know, Guillermo with his massive, massive, massive body, a fantastic, uh, explosive smile and, uh, and, and tremendous, beautiful ego. Well, yeah, he's beautiful in that way. But Wesley too. Wesley right. with that mm-hmm. sort of gracious movement and all that. So somebody had to balance that. Yeah. And that was you. You just truly had to do that. Yeah. And that was an <laughs> important thing, you know, to try to balance, to really get these two egos to work together, those wow, two wow. incredible artists to work together. Wow. And every time that, that that Guillermo had a big plan and Wesley would come and destroy it. Oh, wow. Uh, no, not a capricious it was not capricious. It was because Wesley had another vision in his mind. Wow. Right, right. It's true. Well, then it's- they, it's funny that you say that because like they ended up making, you know, in my opinion, my favorite movie ever gold, you know? Yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, know. they ended up doing amazing together. And, and there, I mean, I enjoyed the first blade. I remember when I watched it, but there was a significant style yeah. stylistic leap for me from mm-hmm. the first one to the second one that it stands alone. Like I, yes. like when I think of blade, like I just really, my more memorable stuff is from blade, blade two. two. Yeah. yeah. Blade one, you know, Steven Norrington, I'm not, not, he's good director, but yeah. Blade 2 was just... Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yes. And then, obviously, once we compare it with Blade 3 that I also shot, right. but I, I used a completely different style, and it was a completely different thing. Mm-hmm. Didn't have, even though I have phenomenal actors, and Brian and uh, Jessica, right. they're wonderful, wonderful. And uh, didn't, didn't cut, you know. Anyway, but coming back to this scene, look, I think... Perhaps the most interesting thing that I shot, and, and that for different reasons, because I give my heart in everything that I do. Right. I mean, I, I, the interviews that I've been giving to Black Widow people ask me, what do you do? I said, the only thing that I've done with Black Widow, I have rescued not the Marvel Universe language. I have rescued the Marvel comic book language. Yes. Mm-hmm. Where That's amazing. People like Kirby, yes. like, uh, like John Kirby, Jack Kirby, Steve Vico, John Steranko, Stan Lee, all these, and they were artists. Right. You know, every shot was conceived, the composition, the acting, the color, the right, the, yeah. the, the, the lines, the, the everything. So <clears throat> anyway, forgive me, but but so but what I like of that, but 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 in every is that the rescue of that? But I give myself in every scene that I shot, and I can see yeah. I've seen some blood in, blood out. I mean, I could tell you that there were moments of that uh, in the in the pitch yard when they are doing weights that is absolutely iconic. I, I, in everyone, in in in, in, in the, uh, Dolores Claiborne. I mean, Christ, Dolores Claiborne was perhaps that scene in which Kathy Bates is being chased by. By, by, by the husband and wants to kill her. And we are with the eclipse happening in the background and we see the bay of, of, of uh, Lunenburg and Halifax. And we see that beautiful bay and the total eclipse taking place. And this crazy man uh, following uh, Kathy Bates that was running because she accused him right. of having raped the daughter. I mean, oh my God, I mean, drama, intensity, color, yeah. the visual effects, technology, Steady cam, uh, digital, uh, everything That's happening awesome. there in a, in a hockey stadium in, 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 in Halifax, in Canada. So I can tell you many, many, each film will bring you one scene. Now, if we, if we want to tell something for you, for your wonderful audience, perhaps something that has a great anecdote yeah. is perhaps scene that I shot for, um, a, re- a reshoot that I did for uh, additional photography that I did for Blade 2, no, for Iron Man 2. We just happened that John Favreau didn't like the additional photography. John Favreau hated that the, the studio will call me and that I will have to come and do additional photography wow. because, because he said, you know, I mean, I, I presented the film, but there were many reasons why Marvel does additional photography. Right. And 
it has worked for them. Mm-hmm. I mean, some films I have done even 20 minutes, 30 minutes of additional photography uh, in the uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, I think, right. 40 minutes. Which is some of my, my uh, th- those scenes that you shot for Guardians were were absolutely beautiful. I remember when I saw that movie in the theater, and then when I saw your reel that you had shown me with with the footage that you shot, those were actually some of my favorite moments on those ships because they like the, the the technical look of it, it just had a sci fi look that I hadn't seen before, which I really enjoyed. So I I, I I like that stuff a lot. That that particular body of work was great. Thank you, Rob. That's great. Thank you. I mean, I try to be, I try to respect the look of the original film of yes. the original cinematographer, the original director, mm. but this additional, right. and sometimes they are completely new scenes. Anyway, into we have to create a scene in between Sam Jackson and Robert Downey Jr. had the, basically Sam Jackson uh, has to tell Fury, and uh, Rick Nick Fury tells um, Iron Man that he needs to, that they have an organization called SHIELD. No, the Avengers. Uh-huh. That, they, they, right. that should join the Avengers. So, mm-hmm. so anyway, so I we went, the art director who now died, and, and, and producer for myself. We found the location in downtown LA. It was beautiful, beautiful light. I calculated, I have a, a, a light to study. So I knew when the sun was going to break through those windows and it was going to wow. spectacular. Only. But I was putting the scene with my cameras and a vision. They were filmed still. Right. And then the producer comes to me and says, Gabby, how, how are you going to do this? I said, well, I'm going to do a master and the second camera is going to do, I think I'm going to do Sam Jackson first because I have this beautiful light coming and I really want to take advantage of the natural beauty of it. And he said, oh, that's fantastic. <clears throat> so five minutes later, he comes and says, Gabby, I have a problem. <laughs> I said, what problem? Uh-oh. I said, um, Robert doesn't want you to do Sam first because he says that, Robert, that Sam has got such a powerful acting style, he's, he, he's going to drive the scene. You know, I mean, obvious. And you can see that, right? You can see that you believe that, that, you know, the scene now is going to be playing at, at Sam Jackson style. Yeah. Okay. So, no, but, well, I say, okay, I'm going to lose my life. I don't know. I'm going to order more more lights and I do my beautiful light. Right. But let me, let me do Robert first. I put my camera to the master and the second camera will do Robert. Okay, five minutes later, he comes to me and he says, Gabby, we have a problem. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. The nature of the world. I said, what problem we have? Um, I said, and he said that uh, Sam doesn't want you to do Robert first. <laughs> Robert has such a distinctive acting style that he's going to drive the whole thing. And you can see that that will happen. Oh, yeah. Right. That is true. That Robert has got such a distinctive acting style that he's going to drive the scene, right? True. Oh, my God. So what, do, what do I do? Well, I said, well, look, all I can do is let me change my lighting. I'm going to light everything backlit. I'm going to hang the light to backlight everything so that I can put two cameras, one camera, two cameras, three cameras. When we might as well cover the close-up, four cameras, five cameras. <laughs> so let me call my assistant. I call my assistant. I said, I'll go, I'll call Autonemis and get, if we can get four more cameras. No, get five more cameras. Now, that's <laughs> the assistance. Lou, give me two hours. And we came back and they said, and then two hours later, I changed all my lighting. We put six cameras and wow. then we shot simultaneously. <laughs> <laughs> and now we just get, yeah, wow. Hey, guys, everyone's first. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Take notes, audience. For Take if notes. you wanna, if you wanna get a film scene with two uh, clashing actors in terms of uh, style, who just, like, just shoot everybody. Just shoot them get all six at once. <laughs> yep. It's really easy. Just call call the rental house and get I, six cameras. And- I think <laughs> Disney can can handle it. Um, so I think we should. Uh, should we take yeah, our yeah, last start. break and come back with any final thoughts, Black Widow talk, and any other fun anecdotes? Does that sound good? Let's do it. Let's All do right. It. Hey, we're back. It's Magical at the Movies with Rob and Rob and Gabby, it's great. It's a great episode. Uh, Rob, where did we leave off? Well, I wanted to know, Gabby, was uh, Blade 2 the beginning of your uh, Marvel relationship? Because you've had a long relationship with Marvel and and now it's uh, it's come to, you know, I know Agent Carter, but also now Black Widow has been 
uh, your latest banner with them. So I just wanted to kind of get a little bit of insight to that. Well, uh, see, I was called to do Blade 2 when Marvel was not Marvel right, Studio. Right, yeah. right, right. Mm-hmm. When Marvel was part of Sony. They were just selling off their Morocco. IPs. Yeah, they were renting Fox their IPs. Sony. That's correct. They were renting IPs, absolutely. Right. So my relation, when I did SWAT, another very powerful, very interesting film, when I, by that time I was so knowledgeable about using multi-cameras that the first shot in SWAT, there were nine cameras. So oh, and you had worked it. with Sam before that too. I just realized yeah, yeah, that. Yeah, that's right. SWAT. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and then I, will, I, will, I, was, I really love it. And then what happened is the producer there was Lou Desposito. Mm, right. Who is now the co-president of Marvel? Right. Uh-huh. And it was, and it was Lou's first film. Oh wow! And I remember that we, the director was Clark Johnson. The director was, you know, the film was too huge. Clark is a wonderful actor. He has done television, right. but he had never done a film that magnitude. Right. Right. So right. he was a tiny right. bit shy. I mean, I don't say that he was bad. No, no, no. He was. Oh, so Lou and I had, to, Lou and I had to help him a lot. But it was also Lou's first, first first film as a producer. Right. Wow. Before that, he had been a phenomenal uh, uh, first assistant director. Right. But not a producer. Right. And I remember that when we went to uh, Colombia uh, to present the project and to present that I was going to do, after my experience with Blade, I said, well, I think the SWAT needs to be digital intermediate full. Mm. Right. That we should do it. I should. I should give it to Jill Bogdanovich. This absolutely beautiful blonde young girl who was a colorist at Eastman Kodak. Now she's a company tree, and she's a big star in company tree. And she's Black Widow for me many many years because Jill and I continue working together. So, but Jill and her father Mitch have said, Gabby. It digital intermediate and, and Rob will, will explain us exactly the concept <laughs> of it, as he does very eloquently. Um, it's going to work. And those days, uh, Robert, uh, our dear, dear uh, Roger Dickens continued talking about the digital. <laughs> this is shit, this doesn't work, doesn't work. Oh, brother, and that was a disaster. And so we went to the uh, Columbia Pictures, and then Lou and I uh, went to tell that we were going to do this in the eye. Right. And then we came out from the offices of the, all the suits over there, and they, they agreed to go with that. They said, well, you believe that it's going to work? Let's do it. Uh, we we'll let you do it. But Lou, they look at Lou and then grab Lou and said, Lou, it's your responsibility. It's no garbage, it's no one. It's your responsibility. Wow. So when we came when we came out of the office, um, obviously Lou looked at me and said, "Gabby, is this going to work?" <laughs> and I said, "And I said, Lou, I don't, I don't no, know. No. <laughs> we'll make it work." Oh, oh, oh shit! <laughs> well, it did. It did work. Lou continued with his career. Lou became now the sec- the second most powerful person in, in in not only in Marvel but I, I believe in Hollywood. Right, wow. and. Uh, and obviously, whenever uh, when Joff when when they did <clears throat> Iron Man one, uh, he immediately presented my name to John Favreau. John Favreau did absolutely didn't want to know anything about me. He had an idea to go with Matty Labatik, who is a lot better cinematographer than I am, and it was a great decision and it was wonderful. So he went with Matty Labatik, and uh, but after that, when they started with the whole philosophy of the reshoots. What happened is that Marvel discovered that characters were presented to the audience and they say, okay, he's a superhero, but he's not human. Right. Or sometimes, oh, he's too human, like in, in Guardians of the Galaxy. Right. You know, uh, the Star-Lord. character. Oh, uh, yeah. Was yeah. Andromeda. Uh, Gamora. Andromeda, Andromeda. Andromeda. She was too human, but not, a, not, not, in, not, not too badass. So they, they needed to adjust the characters and the perception. They did all these focus groups that they do. So that when they did that with Marvel, and then they realized that they have to do, and then visual effects, they said, no, well, that was shot, but it's not exactly the way that should have been shot. So I think we need to do this and that and right. supplement with that, etc. So when that happened, and they have to do additional photography, then it was when Lou called me and said, well, I need, we, we need you to help us. Wow. And from there, I became 
uh, a person that would, was helping Marvel to do additional photographies. Wow. Obviously, what happened is that gradually directors started looking at me and no. say, yes, he's brilliant, but he's a Marvel guy. Oh. So because I was a Marvel guy, I was, not getting, I was not getting the films, wow. the full film. Right. Because they said, you know, he's going to be working for Marvel. He's going to be just a Marvel guy because he's been doing ten already. He's already did additional photography for ten Marvel movies and did the series Agent Carter and the shorts for Lou. Right. I mean, right. the guy is a Marvel guy. Right. Wow. Right. Wow. So <laughs> it was not until now that Kate Shortland said, "I don't care. I'm sure that Gabby's going to be working for me." And and because I keep saying, I work for the director's vision. Absolutely. Yes. Anyhow, so that's that's another anecdote. That's, that's right. great. This is this is so fulfilling. Like, thank you so much for coming on the show. Uh, is there any little Black Widow news you could drop for us? I know that there's strong strong things there, but if not, that's okay. Or or anything that you're particularly proud of. That's the other I side. Can, for. I can answer it for Gabby. I can answer <laughs> it because I know how to I know how to answer this type of stuff. It's going to be an amazing movie. Go and watch it. Hey, great. Thank you. <laughs> I already know how to answer this type of stuff. I've been doing it for a, for a while. <laughs> it's going to be an amazing movie. Check it out. Yes. Trust me. Yes. Scarlett Johansson kills uh, it. But you are, you're absolutely right about I think this is difficult because all the, first of all, I need to advise every, every uh, the Disney department publicity every time that I talk about the film. Right. But what I can say with certainty is, you know, the, the, the Marvel Universe is their display in full splendor. There we go. Full, oh. Phenomenal. I mean, the effects in this film are going to be to die for. Woo. The fact, everything, I mean, it's absolutely phenomenal. But the most important thing, they hired a director who was very good at drama actors. Basically, right. she came from Australia. She did two independent films. She did not, didn't know anything about this crazy universe. She adopted, and I was there with her. I, you know, jokingly said that I was the Han of the Queen. <laughs> 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 Fortunately, I was not impelled in that. No, no, no. <laughs> I made myself short enough not to. And, uh, and then I was there. But let me tell you that what you're going to find in the film is amongst the extravaganza of the Marvel Universe, a very powerful piece of acting from Florence and Scarlett. Oh, when those two girls get together, it's just unbelievable to look at. You should tell what is my favorite scene in the film. I can tell you that the, 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 the third act, that no one talks about it because everyone is reserving it. The surprises, the, 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 the scene in the office of the, of, 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 of the um, Kerlo, Kerlo, the, the villain of the film with Ray, Ray Winston, which I clearly like moving, moving, moving throughout the whole scene. And it's, there are four, five sequences there. And yet there is a constant moving light the whole time. Wow. Because you, later on, you find out why. And it's all that, it's spectacular all that. But there is a scene in Budapest outside a, a gas station with Scarlett and Florence talking sister to sister. That there, just sitting at the table in that co coffee, coffee shop outside, and that is just unbelievable to watch. Oh, and to see those to see girls just doing what acting should be about. I love it. I can't wait to see it. And, and, thank and you and so much for saying, for thank just you, even giving us that much. <laughs> I really appreciate it. And definitely, guys, if you're listening, you know, I know it'll probably be on Disney Plus as an exclusive, uh, you know, if you're, but, but go see go it in see a theater. Go see it in a theater. There's no other need, way to watch movies. Uh, uh, <laughs> we, we, you need to give this man's work, like, your full attention because, like, knowing Gabby's work and, like I said, having the pleasure to work with him, I guarantee you that the imagery of this film is very much enhanced by the big screen. Oh, God, yes. So, so definitely go out and see it in a the theater. That's great. Yeah, yeah. The IMAX is going to be great. There we yes. go. <laughs> yes. I can't wait. Gabby, uh, where can our audience find you or if they need to look you up or, or follow you on anything? Do you have any social media handles or anything like that that we can shout out? Yeah, Instagram. Instagram. I think I'm Instagram at my uh, thing, Gabriel Beristein DGA. Okay. okay. Nice. We'll make sure to put a link in the show notes. 
Yeah, yeah. Instagram is the best one. I mean, I, I have Facebook, but Instagram I find it because these stories, I publish a lot of the stories. I had a Facebook a professional page, but but then I noticed that it was not really working. I, I think Instagram is a, a much better uh, media right. to to, yeah. to promote things. Totally. Yeah. Guy's also, uh, Gabby is also a fantastic director. He has uh, directed episodes of MacGyver. He directed a, a, a short film recently that I'm dying to see. The Caddy, oh, which wow. I, I don't know if I can mention it or not, but I'm, I'm dying to see that. Yeah, but, you but, can. You can. Uh, and yeah, yeah, yeah. He's continuing to grow uh, and, and direct some amazing stuff. So definitely keep an eye out for that as well. I, we, you know, we, I know we talked about the cinematography, Gabby, but we might have to have you on for a second episode to talk about the directing okay. career at some point, too. So. Yes, please. Yes, please. Because I have beautiful things to show you. I think that I did a, that a fantastic thing about animal animal protection rights. Right. Uh, at 25 actresses all over the world doing an animal. So I want to tell you more about it whenever you invite me again. Of course. But it's 20, I, I was done during the pandemic. I directed it. It's just 25 actresses all over the world. Amazing. And each one represents an animal. And she just did all the acting, always in character, always the animal. Unbelievable. Little, little store, and uh, whatever it is, and uh, lots, lots to tell you about. And also, the most important, I also have a company in Cuba. That's true. Oh, so, cool. I, so I work with the biggest capitalist organization, which is Marvel, and with the only communist country left in the world. <laughs> I love it. So here we are. <laughs> My kind of business. I like it. Uh, Rob, would you like to? take us out today well yeah i mean i i, I you know i don't want to speak for the guys but I, I but i do think that we're in agreement that this has been a fantastic episode thank you for coming on thank you yes on again and 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 this has been an absolute pleasure to die you know to dive into a little tip of the iceberg of your of your amazing career um you know always a pleasure uh, to be your friend and uh thanks again for everything gabby it's it's been it's been wonderful guys thank you so much for coming on seriously yes, thank I had a you. geek out moment over here <laughs> <laughs> you're wonderful i appreciate it and i'm glad that you're doing what you're doing really beautiful man. that you're great awesome. thank you well guys uh for rob schulte and peter madrigal and gabriel beristein i am rob federick and this has been madrigal delusions rob and rob thank you once again guys Woo! bye Madrigal at the Movies with Rob and Rob is hosted by Peter Madrigal, Rob Federick, and Rob Schulte. The podcast is edited by me, Chris Tyler, and produced by Rob Schulte. If you're looking to support this podcast, check out the merch link in the show notes, or just leave us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. If you have any suggestions for a movie you'd like us to cover, you can reach out to me on Twitter at Christos Tyler, or to Rob at Rob K. Schulte. Thanks, and we'll see you again next week.